Welcome in. Episode 7, No Man's Land Tennis Podcast. Website about to be up and running, being featured on a few other podcasts, hopefully even more in the future. Things are looking up for the fellows of No Man's Land 2023. Brick by brick. Exactly. Cole, you look you look bricked up right now too, baby. <laughs> wow. I got a... Uh... A lovely microphone, so not to be confused. <laughs> yep. We're two out of three with a mic now. Mine will be here on Wednesday. Fingers crossed. But let's dive right in. Tour roundup for the past week. On the women's side, Camilla Georgie beat Rebecca Peterson in Merida. Hubert Hercotch beat Benjamin Bonzi, the Frenchman, in France, in Marseille. And then back on the women's side, Krajikova beat Iga Sviantek. Could be a little kryptonite there for Iga. What do we think? Uh, out in Dubai. Took her out in the final. I'm not worried about it. Iga really putting out some good film as of late. Uh, she she lost that final, but you know, we're I'm an avid follower, a uh, follower of her on her Instagram social media. I'm 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 an Iga Iga guy. Um, but she put out this message to her fans saying that, you know, you know, people expect her to win every single match she's playing, which I guess you could say she's sort of made that reputation for herself. But I think, I think she was, she said that she was battling a stomach bug or she was a little under the weather that week, you know, not necessarily up to her top stuff. Um, and then still made the final and, and almost walked away with a dub there, but you know, Indian Wells is soon. And so is Miami, and I expect her to at least win one of those. Yeah, she's a favorite going into any match she's playing. She's the best female player in the world. We're gonna have to, we're gonna really start talking about that going forward. That that we haven't really seen a level of dominance in the women's game by one player like Ega in a while. I, I she dropped two sets the entire in her past two tournaments. They just both happened to be in the final. Kujikova's kind of been the only woman to really be able to. I don't know. Take out Iga in any in any of these events. I think she beat her. What she beat her in in either Miami or Indian Wells last year, and yep. yeah, I mean Krajikova is putting together quite a resume. I mean, career high of three in the world, Grand Slam champion, um, has won I believe two or three Masters titles on the women's side, so. She's, I don't know, she's really making a name for herself. And I think, like you said, Keith, it's a lot of these other women are just kind of blending in the background because Iga really has been so dominant for the last nearly two years. I mean, she was on a 45-match win streak last year. Uh, she hadn't dropped the set, like I said, in two tournaments. I mean, even though she disappointed at the Australian Open, still lost in like the quarters, I yeah. think. She just is head and shoulders every week above everybody else. And and Cole looks like he wants to kill me, so this is going to be fun. God almighty. But I think we should, I don't know, I want to give her credit. It's, you know, she she took down, like, it's like when Federer beat Djokovic at French Open on, like, a 45 uh, match win streak. I think it was, like, a 50-some match win streak. And then, you know, Kajikova here is the is the giant slayer. She's the she's playing the Federer role in, in this whole scenario. And uh, she kind of needs it. She kind of needs to. She her ranking was dropping, and um, 
I think she was losing quite a lot. I mean, in her career, she's 340 and 190. So it's not like she's just an you know impeccable winner all the time. Every time she goes out there, it's like she's got a 60% chance of winning the match. And she's got six titles. So, um, yeah, we'll see what the back end of her career looks like. Um, but happy for her to to break through again this week. I can't believe we just referenced Federer as a giant slayer. Yeah, that was odd. I was sitting there like I would have I would have gotten Marin Chilich or Marat Safin. I would have gotten both Robin, of those. Robin Soderling. Robin Soderling, that's a great one. Yeah, but if you if you look at it from the standpoint of streaks and, and well, Rogers form at that time, that was like 2011, 2012 when that was happening. And and Djokovic you, Djokovic couldn't lose. Do you not think Soderling maybe broke a bit of a streak by beating the doll? <laughs> look. That's another great <laughs> example, uh, but I will refer to my my bias every time when there's an opportunity to present it. So, Raj till I die. So, Grzegova till I die. I think you're painting Raj in a different light by calling him a giant. Slug. Yeah, you exactly. Yeah, downplaying the goat. I think in that year he needed the giant needed to be slayed, just We're, like just like Djokovic currently. We're gonna get back on track with uh, could you, uh <laughs> with, with that? She gets kind of lost in, like you know, as Fred was saying, in that kind of Eastern European mold of players where they all kind of come through the Plitschkovas, the Halops, the like you know, the, the all that mold of those players that all are very good. Ovas and yeah, what was that? All of the Ovas. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or the Uz. Um, like it's just it's it's the truth of it. It, it gets, but she is one of the better players, and it's a good win, and she just. Some players just have that ability to beat somebody no matter what they do. They may not be as strong as them, but they just are, as Fred said, a kryptonite for him. And it looks like that's the case here. Yeah. Well, let's let's stay in the Middle East. Uh, on the men's side, in Doha. Just like live. Medvedev, Medvedev took out Murray. Yeah. Um, good final. Medvedev still kind of cruising. Didn't look as dominant as he has. He still doesn't look as dominant as he has. It could have been a really great tournament for Fred's getting the bump pick and Yuri Lehechka, who lost a brutal, brutal match to Andy Murray in the semifinals, where I think he was up 5-3-40 love or love 40, and then was up 5-4-40 love. So he had like six match points in the third set and found a way to lose it. Uh, and that breaker was really good, if, if memory serves correct. Um, and then Medvedev did what he should have done and, and won that tournament after that. But it could have been a really big moment for Yuri Lehechka possibly getting to a final of, of a tournament of that magnitude. Yeah, look, Medvedev's I don't know if he's, you know, held a grudge over how he was not allowed to play tournaments last year and his ranking has really dropped off. I mean, I remember watching him in Australian Open Finals, Keith at your house, and he just looked completely checked out and now he looks completely motivated. Um and he won Rotterdam. He's won uh, Qatar this week. I wouldn't be shocked if he wins Dubai this week, honestly. Um, and, you know, the standout for me this past week was when he played OJ uh, Aliassim. We'll be referring to him as FAA for those of you listening. Um, he beat Felix OJ Aliassim 6 4, 7 6, 9 7 in the second. And Felix is seated higher than him. It was this Felix is the two and Medvedev was the three. Medvedev beat him uh, in straights, and it was the sixth time he's beat him in the sixth time he's played him. He's 6-0 and against, uh, against Felix, uh, just absolute dominance. And then something I've noticed 
in what he's doing um, in his game is he's backing further up the court on return. Like you can't even see him in the photo. And Keith's shaking his head because he hates when guys play that way. But Nadal's it's his weakness. No- it kills yeah. him. Yeah, notorious is Nadal's notorious for doing this. But dude, like Medvedev wasn't even in the camera. Like he was almost going way further back than what Nadal was doing. It's, I was. It, it kills him. Fred, you got to back me up on this. It, it. I mean, you probably know it too. It kills him because when Djokovic plays him now, all Djokovic does is hit his slider out wide and come in behind it and then volley it to the open court. Yeah. I, I don't know why anybody doesn't just serve and volley against Medvedev 150 times. Well, because I was just about to say, it's having some success for him against most players on tour because it shows how far away the game has gone from playing anywhere within the court. It, the transition game and the front court game is a lost art in the game of tennis today because guys are so good from the back. So you see these Alcaraz videos where he's passing guys from all the way in Buenos Aires. And <laughs> like, why would you come to the net if you think that might happen to you? And so guys just aren't developing that next part of the game. And they're trying to just be better from the back of the court than everybody else. But just like you said, Djokovic exposes it. Prime Federer would have eaten this up. Like even Nadal, Nadal's doing some of that to those guys. It's like, unless you have the willingness to do that, you're just, you're going to get burned. Um, and it's, yeah, it's amazing though. But he, he's going to keep doing it because no one else is going to make that adjustment. Yeah, I mean, I guarantee if he played Maxime Cressy, who is a certain volleyer every time, I think it's a good match. I think Great Medvedev match. probably, I think Medvedev probably, probably wins in like two breakers, but it'd be a, it'd be a good match because Maxime Cressy would just say, Okay, Medvedev's going to hit a couple great returns that are going to beat me, but the other 65 serves I'm going to hit, Medvedev is not going to return it past me because he's standing, as Fred said, in like Istanbul and in return. Like it's it's very far away. Well, Murray, I think we got to highlight Murray a little bit more. I mean, he saved, like you said, he, he saved five match points against Lehechka, but he also saved some match points, I believe, in the match before that. Yeah. And he just, I don't know, he, he almost looks like he's fresh. He's more fresh later in the match than he is when he's starting. Like He's starting these matches and he just looks miserable. He loses a first set. He's all of a sudden, next thing you know, he gets his teeth into the match and it's like vintage Andy Murray all over again. Yeah, Murray doesn't play matches in straight sets anymore. It's almost like... Every tournament he enters, you know, however long he's going to be in that tournament, every match is going to be the distance. Uh, even at the Australian Open, he won five a couple times, but you know he's loving it. His uh, and you can see how much it means to him too. His his mom his mom seems to be traveling with him a lot more as of late. She was courtside there um, in Qatar, and I don't know. He's he's got that new team now. He's no longer with Delgado. It's a shame. Loved him. And uh, I know it's just working for him. It's good to see him sort of, you know, get back to a ranking that he deserves to be at, Um, even with his limitations with his hip, which don't really look like limitations to me anymore. He's he's playing some really, really good tennis. The question with him is always, can it be sustained at a major? And it looks like 250s are no problem for him. As a guy who did not like Andy Murray, when he was at his prime, which I did not, because I used to hate 
his faking of injuries, like when he was losing, if everyone remembers, he would like limp around and bang his quads all the time or bang his hamstrings or something like that with his racket. And then he'd come out and run all over the place. I've done a 180 on him, or as Jason Kidd famously said, I'm going to turn this team around 360 degrees. But I'm going to do a 180 on, on, on Andy Murray. There has been very few guys that looks like the play the game because they love it so much as Andy Murray does. And he may look miserable, but there's no reason why you're going out there after achieving your goal, which is world number one, which is what his ultimate goal was when he was at his peak, blowing out your hip doing so, having a fake hip, a la Freddie Mesmer over here, um, having a fake hip, and then going out at 37, 38 years old and playing three setters, like, you know, long three setters, long five setters and majors because you just love it. Like he's got all the money in the world. He's got the accolades he needs. He's going to go down as one of the 20 best tennis male tennis players of all time. But I've done a 180 on Andy Murray. I really have. Yeah. And then just looking at, you know, he's supposed to play in Dubai, which he withdrew from uh, starting this week. And la-di-da, he's citing a hip injury uh, and withdrawals. So the battle continues. I hope it's not serious, but he's uh, he's the man. And it's it's great to see him on tour. Yeah, well, his countryman, Cam Nori, down South America, down in Rio, took out Carlitos Alcaraz in a 500 down there. Probably, what, one, one of the more stacked 500s, Keith, would you say? Oh, yeah, definitely. Very stacked 500. Um, as we know me, expert of draws. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. For those of you confused last week, I made maybe one of the worst one of the worst takes of all time about a 250 event in Buenos Aires. I think of what it is what it was. And yeah, no, that was just idiotic. Yeah. Let's just run through the stack. I want to kind of run through the stacked 500 that will adapt as Keith's uh, opinion this week. Uh, He beat Nori beat Sarundalo first round. He beat Tiago Montero. Tiago, that could have been a Norian team match, but team lost that match uh he beats uh, nori beats montero and then he beats ugo deyin in the quarters then he beats zapata maralas in the semifinal keith that's an awful draw (laughs) (laughs) and then uh he beat uh alcaraz in the final uh boys as we always remember uh why is carlos alcaraz good because he got two names you got two names. You're a two-name Spaniard. You're a good player. And on the flip side of that, I guess that's why Zapatas Morales didn't win his semifinal because he's got three. Three names. Exactly. You crap. <laughs> Look, this 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 uh, theory is just at it's holding strong week after week. No, it's uh, Carlos Moya. Very good. Two names. Roberto Bautista Gut. Almost very good. Three names. They all have three names. They just go by. They only go by two if they're very good. Just waiting um, for like uh, Roberto Caballos Baena. Oh, P- to w- he's PCB? gonna win. The, he's gonna win the French this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. RBA PCB. Yeah, David exactly. David Um, you're right, dude. There's all these guys. <laughs> I, trust me, it's not a. It's it's a little bit of a joke, and they're all very good tennis players. But if you have two names, the Spaniards have identified you as the next god. They, then you are then you are the next Rafael Nadal. Two names, Carlos Moya. Two names, David Ferrer. Two names. It's it's unbelievable how well it works. Uh, it was a great final. Uh, Alcaraz was injured though. It seemed like he took a couple medical timeouts, and they're saying he's going to try to play Acapulco, a 500 event coming up this week. 
uh, he his thigh is in a little bit of issues and he was having trouble moving. Uh, with that being said, it is funny how everybody wants to make the comparison, and Fred made this point. Everybody wants to make the comparison between uh, between Alcaraz and Nadal because of the obvious, like you know, muscular built Spanish guys. But Fred, you are dead on. He plays much more like Roger Federer than he does like Rafael Nadal. He takes the ball early, and it's why the injury didn't kill him in that match because he was just standing on the baseline and just hit the ball early and just hitting winners left and right if he wanted to. And he should have won that match. He was up, I think, three or four love in the second set after winning the first set, was up three love in the third set and didn't close it out. It just it just looked like the injury kind of took its toll on him, and Cam Norrie did play well. Yeah, Nori, Nor. I mean, we were joking in our group chat. Nori, the clay god. Like, yeah, I mean, and we talked about it last week when he made the final down in Buenos Aires. It's like the guy. He's going out of his comfort zone. I think a little bit. I mean, I think he really does belong on a fast hard court or or a good grass court. But he's really proven a lot of people wrong, and that he he does belong inside the top ten for sure. If okay. you can bring this level back to back weeks on that surface that you're really he's I mean and he's a good clay court player obviously but I, I just think it doesn't really suit the way he plays but he's proven a lot of people wrong um, which is it's really cool to see and it's cool to see a, a guy who played college tennis really establishing himself in, in the top 10 obviously Isner did that before but th- there's just not a lot of guys that are, are consistently doing that there's some flash in the pan guys like a Mackenzie McDonald and a few others but for the most part, like he he's really holding his own in the top ten. Best best college player since James Blake, do we think? I wouldn't say that. I'd say Kevin Anderson. Ah, great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah better point. Yep. But yeah, but like he, but like Kevin never won a, a Masters final. I I don't think. And and you know Cam Nori won Indian Wells. It's that's where we we can get this semantics there because Kevin Anderson also reached a higher peak and went to two and went to two uh what call it went to two slam finals slam finals and didn't have to beat Basilashvili uh to win to win a one thousand which doesn't take anything away from Cam Nori but Anderson was playing against Pete Djokovic Pete Federer and 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 Pete Nadal yeah and still and very Nori, good. he still got time so we we'll, we kind of got to wait and see I think to make that comparison but I think career wise. I think Isner has been the best college player in in, in the last fifteen years. It's I'd just, put Anderson above him. Again, above Isner, I would. Yeah, I, I think tennis wise, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, dude, I, we just forget. Like every year, John Isner was like seven in the world again. <laughs> like, like for ten years, you just look at the rankings and you're like, you see yeah, one I, Isner flag. won Miami too recently uh his career is definitely longer than and anderson's we'd have to look at the stats yeah yeah um i just is but nonetheless cam nori great great college player and it's it's fun and he did make a college call against alcaraz if 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 anybody saw that it it, for the viewers i'll try to do my best to describe it alcaraz was about 14 yards outside the doubles sideline spanked the forehand where half the ball landed on the line half the ball landed in the court it wasn't even close. And Nori just in like perfect and perfect fashion circled a mark a foot wide and then fist pumped it. Like threw it out a fist pump. Like, yes, it was a big point because I think it set up either a break point for Alcaraz or a hold point for, for Nori. And 
the ball like wasn't even close and it was it was a great little uh it was a great little, <laughs> little college tennis moment circling the mark that wasn't even in the strike zone yeah the ref it, it the mark he circled was only like i mean the mark he circled was barely out and it was in the exact same spot oh I, okay. You go back and look at that video. It looked like he circled the mark three inches out, which in tennis you know, forever. I, I tend to agree with Keith here a little bit. Because, yeah, because because Nori, because no, the way Nori did it, he was like out, circled it, and then you know when you immediately like sort of turn and walk to your towel really fast because you don't want to face the music. That's what. And then Bernardes comes down out of the chair. He says, oh, "Cam, come back and take a look at this." Like a not yeah. so fast. Yeah, I'm Cam telling you, knew, Fred, Cam take knew a look. He was wrong. Him, the ref, the ref went up and told me, and he was like. The ball came from this direction, and the mark you're showing me, would the ball would have had to come from this direction. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, show me another mark. And then Cam asked the back lines judge, and then the lines judge went up and pointed right on the line. And then he's like, yeah, ball's good. Fred, I'm telling you, if you watch, if you watch that where where Cam circles, he circles a mark that's like a solid three inches out, which for tennis is like a two feet. <laughs> Side note, uh, Cam Nori being a Texas Christian University grad, they TCU. won the net. They won the net TCU, whatever. They ended up winning the national indoors this week, and that's a back-to-back repeat, if I'm not mistaken. So, Horn Frogs unite! While we're down in South America, we're going to talk about Dominic Team. Cole mentioned it earlier. Dominic Team lost in the first round to Tiago Montero who got a wild card in because he's Brazilian and took out Dom team and would like Cole said, Dominic would have played Cam Norrie in the second round, which on paper, hopefully would have been a great matchup. But in reality, I think we can all agree team hasn't really been living up to team standards since come back from injury. Yeah, I mean, Dominic team won what is U.S. Open in in 2020, uh, and then shortly after that, he made the final of the ATP World Tour Finals. He lost to Medvedev that year, so that's 2020. Remind me, guys, what are we in? 2023. <laughs> so uh, he started that next year in 2021. He played a few tournaments, and then I think uh, you know he 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 played like the. Uh, the ATP Cup that year, and then, uh, you know, beat Nick Kyrgios fourth round of the Australian Open. But I mean, we get to like Mallorca and Madrid time that year, and and he pulled out from a knee injury and a wrist injury, and then it's been the wrist injury that's really stuck with him. And then from 2021, let's say late spring, he didn't win a match on any level for 14 months. Uh, so that would that would put us in 2022. Um, which he withdrew from the Australian Open that year, withdrew from Indian Wells, all of these insanely high-level tournaments, and his and his and his ranking dropped outside the top 300. Started to come back a little bit, got some wild cards and uh, you know into some uh, Austrian, I think, uh, lower-level challenger events. Won a few rounds. Um, finally got his ranking up to like you know 99. He, he played last late last year this tournament uh, in Guillon. He lost the semifinal. To Rublev, uh, but like he sort of plateaued right there at 99, and uh, yeah, I mean, went three sets with Tiago Montero, um, in in Rio uh, this past week, and that's after you know this year he's had a bad, he lost early in Australia, so it's it's a long winded answer. I know it's sort of like the uh, the rundown of his past three years, but 
it seems like it's been three years of just constant stagnation for Dominic. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's one in five on the current year. Um, I'm actually blanking on his one win. Uh, he has not really looked competitive in any of his matches. If we're just going to be honest about it, he just really hasn't been there. Like the Rublev match at the Australian Open was a complete and utter beatdown. It just looks to me, I think a lot, I'm hearing a lot on tennis media that they're talking about that he's mentally having trouble coming back from the injury and he's not in the same mindset. He used to be a mental warrior. To me, I don't think that's it. I'm not involved in his head. He, he just physically doesn't look like the same guy. Dominic Team used to stand 10 feet behind the baseline, hit the ball f- like statistically harder than anybody else on tour with the most spin or close to the most spin of anybody on tour and would shove them so far back and then take the, and then take the the court over himself. He used to do that every single match. And now it just, he hits a ball that lands with depth and Tiago Montero is hitting early and ripping it and taking the court over. He just physically doesn't do the same thing he used to do when he's having trouble at like 29 years old. It's very odd. Yeah, I agree. It, it looks like yeah, his ball is not going through the court the same way. His movement looks just a little bit slower, but I, I don't know if that's because of confidence or yeah, anything on the mental side, Keith, like you said, but I don't know. I think it's just when you observe physically, the game is still great, but not not top 50 great. Like he's just kind of floating, like Cole said, he's just been floating around a hundred, and he's kind of playing like he's floating around a hundred. And the only reason he kind of staying there is because, like you said, he got some wild cards into some events because of who he was. And I think that's what's keeping him up there. I'd be really curious if he actually had to sort of grind on on the challenger circuit a bit to actually work his way up. Like, would he would he do that or not? I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction here, um, just because. I liked uh, I liked him. I liked him when he when he when he came up and and you know I, I like his game as a fellow one hander. Uh, seeing somebody slap that that hard with uh with one hand is is just ridiculous. I mean he was a he was a force when he came on. Um, Keith, by the way, that 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 one person he beat was Molchan last week in Argentina or two weeks ago I, in Argentina. Yeah, I would have forgot that. But it's not you know he's playing guys that you know are not really. You know, I mean, he beat, he lost to Varias and then, and then he lost to uh, Montero, like we said. But my, my prediction is he's 99 and within the next two months, he's going to be 60. I think I'm going to take the positivity on this side and say he's going to get, get some form back. Um, and I just don't want it to see like, you know, Del Potro with the wrist injuries. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see team have to hang it up because of a nagging wrist. And I know that he's probably pretty healthy now. It's, it's a more of a confidence thing, but um, selfishly, I, I loved him when he, when he was playing, you know, at, at peak talent and peak uh, performance. So uh, I hope it's, I hope it's, you know, behind him. I think there's a, a weird, a real difference between him and Del Potro. For those who don't remember, Del Potro went through like five wrist surgeries and, like, you know, we saw him kind of come back and play really well. Is it when Delpo came back, the forehand was still the forehand. Like he still hit his forehand bigger than anybody else on tour. 
And actually, he added a bit to his serve. If you remember Delpo when he first came up, wasn't really that big of a server, and he kind of added to it. Dominic Team isn't hitting the ball as big as he used to. His ball just doesn't have the speed. It doesn't have the spin. And it because of that, with his court positioning, he has trouble. And I don't know if this year I can foresee him jumping inside the top 50 because it's very, very hard to just all of a sudden add racket head speed. You have to train for that. And he's made changes to his forehand to take pressure off his wrist. And I don't know if those changes are helping him out at all. Hopefully it's helping him physically, but it's definitely hurting something else because it just isn't as big. And it's kind of like watching an old version of Dominic team. This is what I anticipated Dominic team would look like when he was 34 years old, not when he was 29. Yeah. He's got Christian Guerin tomorrow. They're playing in Chile. Uh, and, and this is where I think it's going to start for him. Uh, I think he's going to turn the page guys. You, you don't, I know you don't see it happening until top you know, for some time or, or, you know, two fifty. you know, top 50 is hard to put your, put your eyes on, but I'm going to ride with him. I'm going to ride with him until it's not not that I don't think he's going to do anything. It's just that I think he'll make a run here or there or do something at a 250 or win two matches at the French Open or do something. It's just it's not the same guy. Do you ever see him in a semi? Do you ever see him in a semi of a Grand Slam in the rest of his career? As of now? No. Things would have to change by next year. Wow. He would have to have a big offseason for me. I don't see it. It just you have to have a specific tool set to get there. And I just don't see the tools right now. Yeah, I, I want to see him on in the next couple of weeks on some hard courts and see if anything changes there. Just because really I, I've only really watched him on in the last couple of weeks on on the clay and he just doesn't look comfortable moving. Again, you're slower, your ball is slower on clay already. And so that's just not helping him at all. So I don't know. I want to see him on hard courts, but yeah, I'm with Keith. I think he's going to have to show some, some big strides this year and then in the off season and then going into next year, maybe he'll have a shot to really make a final push, but I don't know. I I don't see it. I mean, I saw, we saw him on the hard courts at the Australian open. I know it's early and I know I referenced this already, but he did not look like he belonged on the court with Andre Rublev. Andre Rublev just hit the ball by him. It had. I, I'm surprised Dominic Team's neck didn't hurt from turning and watching the ball hit the base, hit hit the like the fence behind him, because that's what the match looked like. And it is Cole. You're right. It is sad to see a guy who had a one hander, and and it's always fun when we see one handers that don't have a weakness on that side. And he was that guy that didn't really have a weakness on the one handed side. And right now. I just, I can't see him winning anything. I do want to say, uh, I, I want to give credit to sort of the people, the coaches, right? So, so team, team has always been coached by Nicholas Masu. Yep. And, and Masu could have jumped, man. He could have ran, he could have went, he could have went somewhere else and gotten a, a player that was younger and, and coached them up and sort of the same thing with, uh, you know, Murray's coach at the time, I know Murray made that change uh, for himself. Um, but, you know, guys can run. And I, I, I think it's pretty telling of the character of the, the player and who they choose to surround themselves with and who they decide to work with uh, when they do decide to stay during those times of struggle. Um, so that's just a, just another thing that stood out to me when I saw I saw Masu courtside. 
in uh in Argentina and Rio, and I was like, dude, what what is this guy doing? Couldn't he be skiing in Austria? And then, but he's he's now back. He's back on tour, next to Dom. I just I just want everybody, the viewers, that notice. I, I've heard this on media. Is it like has Dominic team checked out because he won his major, and he did all this? I, I just I'm not gonna put the guy in the dirt like that and say that he's checked out that he's not trying. I just don't right now see the physical tools. That's just that when it comes down to it, you have to have those to win tennis matches. You can't be worse than the guy across from you and hope mentally you can get through every match. Yeah. At some point you're going to have to be able to have the tools to step up and beat those guys that are from 40 to a hundred in the world consistently. All right. Well, Rapovalov this week. For those who have just recently started listening, we I think we've only done one or two Rapovalov so far this year. But Rapovalov is a segment we wanted to introduce where each of us picks a song that really illustrates how one of the players on tour performed this week. Cole, kick us off. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Cam Nori as my uh, song relation. Uh it's just sort of uh, telling about the type of music I like, but I've been on this like 2000s, 2010s English club mix. Like just get in there and get that bump going. You guys can see me right now. I'm bumping. Uh, but this song is called Fake ID because if you would have asked me if Cam Nori was good on clay, I would have said you're lying and that this is fake F. <laughs> this guy dude he shouldn't even be good on clay and yet he's beating like the number one player in the world so it's it's unreal so fake id check it out uh nori and it's also ties into like his college college uh you know part of it him being a college tennis player he just looks like a frat guy that would love this tune you want me to go there freddie yeah i got i, I just changed my mind at the last second and it's um Gonna be this one's gonna be for uh for uh for Andy Murray, the Beatles when I'm 64. Uh just because Andy Murray just grinding out there and loving the game and playing forever. And it's a I know he lost, but just when I'm 64 for Andy Murray. Love that. Um mine is for Krajikova after her great win over Iga. I'm picking Paralyzer by Finger Eleven, just because wow. Krajikova has kind of been the one that's been able to paralyze Iga a little bit. Nobody has really been able to rattle her or even beat her. And if you watch that match, obviously she she beat Iga, but Iga was rattled, and I haven't really seen her much like that other than the couple times that these two have played. So there's something there, a little kryptonite, but Krajikova, she's a paralyzer. Finger 11. <laughs> I feel like I'm back in middle school. Yeah, if you guys want to check out all of our songs for Rapavalov, we're going to be adding them to a Spotify playlist as well as uploading them on our website at nmltennis.com. We're going to have all of our podcasts up there, maybe a couple blog posts. Cole's getting into the photography game a little bit, so maybe some cool photos as well. So take a look out nmltennis.com as well as all of our social media platforms, NML underscore tennis. Only one playlist could have 
DMX and when I'm 64 possibly playing in back-to-back songs. And that's, that's the rap of segment. 